Welcome to Paper Boys, the weekly podcast where we unravel the research papers behind the latest major headlines in science. I am your host, James, here with Faithful Charlie, again. Faithful Charlie. I don't want that one to catch on. <laughs> I uh, want people thinking I'm, I'm a resident bad boy of this podcast. Bad boy paper reader. Yeah. Charlie Kelly. But here I am. I'm Charlie, James's co-host, and we are the Paper Boys. We are two PhD students who started this podcast so that we could share our love for science with all you fine folks. And the whole point of this is when you read science news and you see these headlines that are very misleading, and they often say, they often boil down what is very complex science that took years to create into uh, one sentence of a headline that is misrepresentative. So we dive into the science paper, we, act, we use our skills for good, we read that paper and we give you all the details. And then, you know, we call out the news once in a while. By skills for good, you mean spending 40 hours to read six papers that basically boil down to like a line in whatever paper we're working on. Yeah, pretty much. That's pretty <laughs> much how literature review works. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we don't want to keep those skills just to ourselves. So that's right. That we use it for the public good. So, James, what are you going to be? What science are you tackling this week? What major publications are you taking down? <laughs> taking down the New York Times, the Washington Post. Yeah. All the fake news. But seriously, I mean, so what's the fake news this week? Well, okay, so there's you've probably probably heard about it. It's not that indie. Intermittent fasting. Oh, this is far from indie. This is what everyone and their dad, and by their dad, I mean my dad, talks about all the time. It's huge. Yeah, people are talking about it. This recommendation actually came in from my mom. Really? Yeah. So your mom and my dad are on the intermittent fasting train. Well, yeah, my mom was just like, I don't know anything about this. Look it up. Okay. So I'm doing the I'm doing the legwork here. So what is intermittent fasting? Intermittent fasting is this idea that humans were not designed to eat all the time like we do now. There's it's sort of calling uh, calling bluff on this idea that we should eat three square meals a day. You yeah. know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I've, I've said on this podcast before, breakfast is a conspiracy. It's a capitalist conspiracy, man. It is. You actually have. Big, big egg is trying to trick you into eating breakfast. <laughs> big egg. Yeah. Big egg and big milk. Yeah. Have you ever seen where uh, your congressman's money's coming from? From the egg lobby? <laughs> that was actually a thing, right? We talked about the egg lobby. I think or was that is. a joke? No, I think it is a real, it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I as a huge adherent to breakfast prior to this episode, key, uh, but now you're Key not. hint. Oh, no. No spoilers. Are we going to ruin breakfast all over again? It's already been ruined. Um, okay. Anyone who's confused, you need to go back and listen to our episode called Are Eggs Really Bad for You? Long story short, yes. I was eating like 12 eggs a week easily. Yeah. And so that changed everything for me. Yeah. But intermittent fasting, sort of, like I said, blowing up this myth that you need to eat three meals a day. And it's basically saying that's not how humans evolved. That's not the eating cycle that we're used to. Hmm. Um, humans have a circadian rhythm. Like everybody knows that with sleeping. But it turns out there are other cycles and biological clocks throughout your body that are ticking. And perhaps many of these are more tuned to like more condensed eating. So these periods of eating and oh. fasting sort of like. You know, there's the paleo diet was huge. This idea that like, don't eat anything. Yeah, eat like the Neanderthals <laughs> did, you know. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to talk about paleo on this. But basically, within intermittent fasting, then there are three, a few different modes that we'll talk about in more detail. Some that are like very basic, where it's like skip breakfast, only eat lunch and dinner. Mm -hmm. To like, like I did today. Like we have an intermittent faster in our presence. Look at me. 
to uh, like don't eat for a week. Whoa. And some people do it for like 30 days. Whoa. So there's a full spectrum. There's a full spectrum. Um, And we'll talk about that a little bit. But uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And then some people do it for the rest of their lives, which is not very long. (laughs) Which is not very long. But longer than you would expect. Really? That you could go without food? Well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. All right. We'll get into it, uh, I guess, after a little break here. I don't want to spoil the episode by spoiling the episode. That's true. Yeah, it's like we just have to whet the appetite right here at the beginning. No, no breakfast. No wetting the appetite. (laughs) Breakfast is like dousing the appetite with a 55-gallon barrel. Oh, God. (laughs) It's more than just wetting it. Uh, More healthy eating habits from the paper boys. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Charlie, cue the music. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you to James's mom for suggesting this episode. Uh, if you want to suggest an episode yourself, reach out to us on social media or email. At PaperboysPod is our handle on Twitter and Instagram. And our email is paperboyspod at gmail.com. We get a lot of cool recommendations there. The other thing you should check out is our Patreon, patreon.com slash paperboyspod. We are doing bonus episodes. This month, it's all about how was DNA, the double helix of DNA discovered, which turns out to be like a way crazier story than I ever realized. Yeah, that was super fun to research. And I learned a lot. Like, yeah. Especially as a grad student listening to it, it was really interesting. But anyone who's interested in science, we've all been exposed to Watson and Crick's discovery. So I think it's relevant to everybody. Yeah. And it's a cool story of like, I guess, the history of science almost more so than what DNA is, you know, it, like there it's, was a it's much bigger controversy just... and intrigue and mystery. I'm surprised there isn't a Netflix special about it already. Mm, there's probably like a lifetime, you know, daytime movie about it. But <laughs> yeah. Featuring Jeff Goldblum as Watson. Oh, man, I would watch that. And John Mayer as Francis Crick. Wow. Just throw everybody, you know, for a loop. John Mayer and Jeff Goldblum in the same room together, I would die. (laughs) Two of my favorite humans. Anyway, check that out. Patreon.com slash paperboyspod. It's only pie dollars to get that bonus episode every month. So, James, what's the deal with intermittent fasting? I was waiting for you to say that. Yeah. I mean, you always tempt me because in your notes you always write something that says what's the deal with every single episode i'm just so i have to do my to bait you into it bad seinfeld impression well so i've been hearing this fad all the time several friends who were getting into it and were telling me about it and i was like fasting sounds bad like i love eating breakfast and i'm i was like always hungry until at 10 a.m i would eat breakfast and then i was hungry you know two three four hours later and i was like there's no way that can be healthy. Like, yo, I'm hungry. You should eat when you're hungry, right? Yeah. But what's weird is with breakfast, it's like, this is kind of the realization that I've had recently. It's like, if I eat breakfast at, I don't know, call it 8.30 or something, and then at like 11.30, I'm hungry again for lunch. But all I've done between the, those two things is sit at my desk for three hours and do not Like, I've burned probably 10 calories total. Yeah. So why am I so hungry all of a sudden? What did I do? I don't need all that food. Yeah, and there's so there's some research that says when you're eating, you burn more calories. So if you eat, you, you know, stoke the flame and start burning calories. Oh, like your metabolism, like, adjusts. It kicks it into gear. Okay. 
But I think that's somewhat controversial. Like that's not totally the way to think about it because it's really just based on the number of calories that you're eating. So whether you spread that out or condense it, it doesn't really matter. You'll burn the same amount of calories. It's not like you stoke the engine and then... I see. At least that was my understanding. A nutritionist and a medical doctor might disagree with me on that. Okay. Well, what would they know? What would they know? But I can guarantee that you are eating more calories during the day if you have three meals versus two meals. It's another eating event. So it's another opportunity to take in more calories, you know? Yeah. And what I've found with my own, and I haven't even really been doing this intentionally, like, oh, uh, I've read about intermittent fasting and how good it is. It's more just like I've kind of stopped really needing to have breakfast. And what I've realized is that I don't need to eat more lunch in order to like catch up on what I didn't eat at breakfast. Yeah. So then it dawned on me like, wow, I was eating an extra probably like 800 calories every day for nothing Mm -hmm. that I didn't need. That you didn't need. Or, you know, and maybe you eat more at lunch and dinner to compensate. Like you get enough calories. You're still alive. You're still healthy. Yeah. It brings up this interesting question of if you hold calories constant and you change the period over which you eat them, how does that affect your health? Oh. And that's what this... That's a good question. You know... I found a lot of news about this, and there are tons of papers and journals about intermittent fasting right now because it's so popular. It's a hot topic. It's a hot topic. So I picked one that's actually from 20... This one's actually from 2015. Ooh, James. But there are several... I'm going to read a couple of the headline or a couple of the titles of some that were more recent just to give you an idea of stuff that's coming out, like, even as recent as this week. Yeah. No, I know. I'm just teasing you. Intermittent fasting is, like, in the news all the time. Yeah. Well, okay. So there's one from 1946 that was interesting. Just to say, like, you know, this has been a topic of research for a long time. Gotcha. Sort of what's the effect of caloric intake on health. Okay. And the title of this was Apparent Prolongation of the Lifespan of Rats by Intermittent Fasting. Hmm. And good for rats. Yeah. That's that's like, uh, that's the propaganda I'm going to bring. That's probably what the egg lobby is bringing over to Congress. (laughs) Saying this is... It's rat meals. If you're doing intermittent fasting, you're eating like rats. That's great for rodents, but what about humans? Yeah, exactly. Well, so, I mean, that is a huge problem in science. What's next? We live in the gutter. (laughs) What's next? We learn martial arts and start training turtles. Yeah. Just, you know. Teaching a class full of aardvarks. (laughs) Mr. Ratburn. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. Anyway, I mean, so that's a huge problem in science. There's a great Twitter that's called On Mice, where they just print like, you know, big scientific medical studies that people talk about that are only true on mice. Oh, because it doesn't transfer. Like, I mean, being like, oh, we found a cure for cancer. Like it eliminated this pancreatic, whatever. On mice. In mice. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I'll get into that some more. There's a lot of things I'm going to get into more on this episode. Okay. But uh, strap in everyone. This is a two hour episode. No, (laughs) no. I'll get into the main points, but it's I just it's interesting. So 2006 article said the effect on health of alternate day calorie restrictions, eating less and more than needed on alternate days prolongs life. Prolongs life in mice. Uh, I don't know if that was on mice or in humans. Okay, but there were a couple of interesting articles about intermittent fasting, improving treatment of cancers with chemo. Whoa. Patients. I haven't read those yet, but I'm going to go back and read them. This is like a cure all. It sounds like. It almost sounds too good to be true now. It's almost sounding too good. Yeah. So what's this recent one? IF as an effective weight loss tool was another. Huh. 
one from this week i'm i mean i'm just like rattling these off there are so many but this one from this week september in cell metabolism says alternate day fasting gets a safe bill of health and quickly from the abstract various forms of fasting improve health and longevity in preclinical models however safety outcomes and the molecular changes underpinning human fasting are unclear Stekovich et al. 2019 report improved markers of health for up to six months and associated metabolic changes among healthy adults who followed alternate day fasting. Okay, so that's positive. That is positive. Okay, that was this week. So the one you want to focus on is this 2015 paper? Yes, and the, one of the reasons I'm fo- focusing on it is it was it's like an easy study to follow. They have some good graphics. It was well put together, so it's easy to understand. And it sort of addresses that question I brought up earlier of, if you hold caloric intake constant and you just change when you eat, what's the effect? Yeah. It's, it's a nice control. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I mean, like, you could either eat one giant meal of 2,000 calories or you could have four different meals of, you know, 500 calories each spread out throughout the day. Yes. And, like, what's the difference there? Yeah. And uh, so the title of this sort of gives away what they're doing. It's also published in Cell Metabolism, the journal. And the title is, A smartphone app reveals erratic diurnal eating patterns in humans that can be modulated for health benefits. Okay. So, Modu- why would they're modulating people's eating patterns? So what they- a smartphone app. That's confusing. Okay. Okay. So you're talking like, what if you took a 2,000 calorie intake per day and you split it up over four meals? That sounds reasonable, right? Yeah. The first part of this paper was to look and say, hey, like, are people actually eating, you know, three to four meals a day, like they say? So they were tracking people's eating and take habits. Okay. And it's was this like, an app that they developed or this was like, you know, some social app where people share their food? No, it's an, it's like a, an app they developed specifically for this gotcha. to like, they wanted to look at people like freely moving people. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it freely living is what they said. Yeah. Like, um, like they, they capture them in the net. They put a little tag on their ear and they let them back out into the wild. Yeah, right as they're people. eating, they throw a big net over them and they say, yeah. what are you eating? They take their phone, they download the app for them, and then they throw them back <laughs> out into the wild. And, Blindfolded. And they say, you never saw us. <laughs> exactly. Just, Just like men behaving like normal. <laughs> but I mean, you know, if you want to get good data, you got to do that. Yeah. Non-invasively. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I guess I was more asking like, so a lot of these studies with, you know, studying people's, uh, you know, exercise patterns or something, they'll pull like Fitbit data or they'll pull like, Oh, you know, people self-reporting their workouts on this like social networking app. And it's like, well, like, there could be some selection bias there. Yeah. But in this case, totally. it's like they got a group of participants to agree to track their eating habits with this app. Yes. Gotcha. And there are two parts that make it interesting. Okay. So step one was figuring out this baseline eating pattern among a cohort. So they did that for three weeks. They tracked them their eating. And basically every time they were eating, the researchers asked them, Oh, so the researchers are Shubros Gill and Sachidanananda Panda. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. <laughs> it's a mouthful. They're from the Regulatory Biology Lab at the Salk Institute for Biological Studies in La Jolla, California. Okay. So they did this baseline eating pattern. Every time they ate, they'd ask them to either take a picture or quickly type in the name of what they were eating. Oh, so gotcha. food or meal or right. water. And then it was uploaded into a database with a timestamp and geolocation data. And then, you know, then they could track it after. And it was deleted off their phone so, like, it wouldn't misreport. Right. Uh, how many people participated? And, like, where were they? So, in total, there were 
156 subjects between the ages 24 and 30. Okay. And they were all like what students at this school or? Yeah. So my guess is that they're students. Okay. So it's not like a huge, it's not like one of these massive cross-sectional studies where they've got like medical data on 30,000 people. No, it's not a huge study. That's all right though. I mean, 150 people is still substantial. Yes. Yeah. And so it's worth saying, so these researchers had done a similar study on mice or rats previously. Gotcha. And spoiler, they found that if they reduced the window during which they ate, even though the calories were held constant, the rats who ate over a shorter period of time lost weight. Really? Yeah. How did they get the rats to take pictures of their food? That was more complicated. That's a whole that other like podcast a whole, episode. Yeah, that sounds like a study in itself. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, so these humans are taking pictures of their food. They're reporting through this app. And you said it was a three-week baseline where they assess, like, what's what, what's their normal eating habit? Yeah. So they figured out, they asked them, they self-reported what their normal eating habit was. And they'd send them reminders and stuff. And so they came up with some estimate that during this three-week period, people may be underestimated by 10% the number of meal events that they had because they forgot or didn't want to take it or... Oh, right. I mean, you can't overestimate because yeah. every instance where you've actually taken a picture of your food is guaranteed that you did eat. Mm -hmm. So there's going to be some that people missed. Yeah. So how many meals on average did people actually eat like um, baseline? It went between like three to 15 eating events. Okay. And that includes like snacking? Snacking. Anything where they're in taking in more than five, five kilocalories. So I'm going to just call them calories because that's okay. what most people know yeah. them as. But wait, so... You're, so you're saying the total range was 3 to 15, not the average. 3 to 15. Like the minimum was 3. Among the lower, the average was like 3. And among the higher, the people who were eating had more eating events. It was like 15. And even that varied between people. But still, that means that there is no one who ate less than... I mean, I guess you could eat snacks and still only have had like one meal. And yeah. And it'd be three eating events. I mean, still, if you eat a granola bar, that's an eating event. But yeah. yeah. But there's no one who... Was average. just eating a single like big dinner every day and, and nothing else. I think on average, everyone reported that they eat three meals a day. Oh, really? So it's sort of like there's the psychological aspect too of like, you know, I would say I eat three meals a day, but I snack, you know, I snack in between. And Yeah. How many eating events would you say you have a day if you guessed right now? So I'm, I'm trying to, since I started doing the research for this paper, I've cut it down. But before I would say I have like eight to nine. Okay. I'm trying to think about mine. I would... I don't really snack that much throughout the day. Mm -hmm. I would probably say I'm only at like five, maybe. Really? I mean, that's still... Dude, maybe even less on average. I mean, that's yeah. good. I'm the man, is what I'm trying to say. Well, but over what time period is that spread? Well, I wake up at 2 a.m. <laughs> I grab a popsicle and then... Go work out with Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> Mark Wahlberg has this like crazy... Did you ever hear... It was like in popular news. We should do a Paper Voice episode about that. About like his diet? Well, he wakes up at like, he goes to the gym at like 2 a.m. Wow. He like falls asleep at 7 p.m. I don't know, something like that. Anyways. Well, I never see him down there, so he must be lying. He's totally like, <laughs> a total liar. Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. All right. So in summary, I'm better than you because I have fewer eating events per day. Yeah, because that's a measure of self-worth. I mean, it pretty much is. That and how much money you make are pretty much the only two. The only two things that are really important in this world. No. Yeah. So 
after those three weeks, you, so in, I remember in the title, there's something about like modulating these people's eating habits. And then you also mentioned that with that rat study, they changed their eating habit. So I'm guessing that now after the three weeks, they told these people eat less or eat less often. So then they got a subset of the participants to do a second study where... Wait, but the other one, the other people didn't continue on? Sorry, say that again? Well, go on to explain the second study first, and then I'll ask my question. So of the participants who were in the first study, mm-hmm. so they've already measured sort of what their eating habits are. Mm-hmm. They then took uh, another group of those people, and they asked them, like, would you like to participate in the study? We are going to give you some tips based on your eating habits to where you can shorten the window. Shorten the window. Shorten, shorten your eating window. Like, okay. Meaning like, like, hey, over the last three weeks, like, you had 15 eating events spread over a 16-hour period during the day. Meaning, like, I woke up at 8 and I started eating then, and then last thing that I ate was around midnight, and then I went to bed. Yeah, so on average, people would start eating an hour and a half after they woke up and stop eating, like, two hours before they went to sleep. Okay. So they're eating for most of the day. Yeah. So, like, there's a, whatever, 14-hour period during which you're kind of, you've spread out 15 meals. Yeah. Okay. And so they said, okay. Let's take that and let's reduce that window over which you're eating to 10 to 11 hours. Okay. So that would mean like I eat one thing at noon and then another thing at my first thing I eat is at noon and the last thing I eat is at 10 p.m. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And let's see what happens. Okay. They're like, let's observe. Maybe you blow up. Maybe you get healthier. (laughs) Okay. So I just want to make sure you know, in the effort of not spreading misinformation. So one thing they do say in this paper is they say, we did not find a simple correlation between body mass index and eating duration. And there are, of course, many factors, including nutrition quality, quantity, physical activity, and genetics that contribute to things like obesity. However, they wanted to see if this eating pattern, so how often they ate during the day and for how long they would eat during the day, had any contributing factors to their BMI. So they did this first study. They studied the eating habits of 165 participants. Yeah, but that study was only three weeks. For three weeks. So how long was the second study? If they're going to look at their change in BMI, I think you'd need to look at that over a long time. Yeah, so they did it for the next 16 weeks. Okay. And they looked looked at participants with BMIs greater than 25 and eating durations greater than 14 hours. I think obesity is defined as BMI greater than 30. Yeah. So people who are kind of on the maybe like above average and well, unfortunately, that's not above average because America's obese, but at risk. Right. So people who are like not, you know, a person who's like probably solidly healthy in the minds of these researchers is BMI in like the low 20s and they eat over 10 hours. I think so. I mean, and they're they're healthy, but at risk. You know, this is a younger population. So and people who can sort of lose a little bit of bmi like if you're already really pretty skinny like you're not going to see a lot of weight loss no well i don't i mean actually I, I think yeah you actually still would probably really if you burn fat this is a tangent which okay. i'm notorious for go ahead sounds so, relevant to me well so one of the reasons i was interested in this episode were uh was i read this climbing blog and the, the author of that started getting into intermittent fasting and i was like oh that sounds kind of woo woo weird and then i started reading about it more and she's like a math professor or researcher and started like showing some of the numbers and i thought it was actually pretty interesting 
she'd had some like injuries and stuff and found it made a big difference. Like in her recovery time? In recovery from things like helping reestablish gut biome after taking a bunch of antibiotics after a big surgery. Oh. But then the thing that I thought was interesting was like she gave some rough numbers. Like imagine small woman, 120 pounds, maybe you say your body is 20% body fat. Mm -hmm. 10% of that body fat, say, is essential body fat you need for organs and just to like stay healthy and functional. Brown fat. Like from our caffeine episode. (laughs) I think brown fat's a lot less than 10%. I'm sure it is, yeah. But drink more coffee but yeah i mean if you're if you were like below 10 percent body fat that'd be kind of alarming yeah for for on for women yeah so say 10 percent, you could potentially lose relatively safely yeah relatively 20 to 10 so that's 12 pounds of fat okay every pound of fat has like 3500 calories yeah multiply that 12 pounds times 3500 calories and say you could get by with 1750 calories a day you know, like yeah. if you're not very active, I mean, that's 24 days that you could go without eating, just subsisting on body fat. And someone who on the outside Whoa. wouldn't really seem like they have much to lose. Without eating, period? Without eating, period. Oh, man, dude, that freaks me out. She didn't out. do that. She didn't do that. I know. But that, I mean, that sounds extreme. Like that sounds unhealthy. No, right, right. And I'm sure there'd be other, you know, there'd be other factors and stuff. Like you wouldn't want to just probably not eat for 25 days yeah although i mean now i don't know man you said at the beginning like humans weren't really designed to be this way what you think about it like if you were like a hunting you're like had to hunt in order to get food way back in the day you might go a few days before you get your next meal Mm -hmm. you know that's insane so i mean our bodies are equipped to run off body fat yeah like we are meant to to use our fat like that yeah and i mean i'm not even getting not even getting into it on this but it sounds like there are a lot of other health benefits for like stabilizing insulin levels yeah um, stabilizing different hormones but yeah it's interesting that was sort of like an eye-opening statistic or it changes the way you think about it i guess yeah where you're like well what's so bad about that you know and me who's starving after an hour if i don't get like a granola bar i'm like some you know this is more of like me sort of misinterpreting my body's signs of totally psychosomatic yeah yeah i mean yeah you know you do not need that granola bar no it's like an impulse problem not a i would i would be like if i didn't eat for two hours yeah like it's kind of it's like every once in a while i have this thought where when someone says like oh i'm starving or when i say i'm starving then i feel bad i'm like i'm not starving like there are people who actually are starving and it must be horrible, you know, like yeah. it takes a lot to be starving as a human being. Yes. You know? And it, and that's like a real, it's a real issue in the world. Um, <laughs> yes. And so that's something too. Missing our granola bar at 1130 is not, not really that bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that was one of the, my misconceptions when I heard about fasting at first, I was, I was like fasting equals starving and starving is different. That starving means like you are hard. like, yeah. like you are not getting the, subsistence that you need right fasting is just meaning like you're just redistributing when you eat yeah which we do anyways when we sleep yeah that's why they call it breakfast break breakfast. fast boom although breakfast is technically the enemy <laughs> breakfast is well but it it truly is breaking your fast you should be fasting and you're breaking it i think uh the jury is still out on whether breakfast is bad or good okay well but, so why don't we why don't we first say what did they find 
in this second study when they had them redistribute to like 10, 11 hours of eating? So there are some great charts, great figures in this paper. I highly recommend it. Yeah, um, you're a little biased. You're a big figure fan. Here's one, what they called the fetogram. Fetogram? Oh, is, like F-E-E-D? Like, yeah. That's funny. For when eating events occurred for different people. Mm. And oh, so, you can see it like totally narrows down. Yeah. Like, I mean, the period they, over which they ate. Yeah, this showed them the eating data previously, and then they got them to sort of restrict it to a smaller time window. Man, I hope that they called their app that they developed for this. I hope they called it Fetogram. It's not called Fetogram, I wish. That'd be sweet. Do you get it though, like Instagram? I, I got but it. But for them, <laughs> laugh harder, James. Or why don't they just call it Feeder, like Twitter? Mm. <laughs> I get it, but I'm intentionally not laughing because you snubbed me. <laughs> Follow my food feed. I'm very bitter. Follow my feed. <laughs> Follow my food. <laughs> It'd be pretty funny to subscribe to someone's feed. Yes. Oh my gosh. Now I feel like we're living on a farm or something. Like, give me that feed. Living in a dream. Yeah. Anyway, so the feedogram shows they reduced their eating window. Yes. Uh, so they did this. So they did this experiment, like I said, for 16 additional weeks after the three-week initial baseline. Mm -hmm. All subjects reduced their eating duration with an average reduction four hours and 35 minutes so from like wow. if you're eating 14 hours a day so for example that would be like you wake up at 6 a.m and you have breakfast at 8 a.m and then you don't stop eating until midnight yeah which is crazy i mean that is a lot of eating time but like i mean but so, I mean, you have a snack so and, reducing by four hours and 25 minutes that sounds like oh that's so long to go but then you realize like that's just skipping breakfast if you skip breakfast, like you probably wait, it's probably four hours between breakfast and lunch. Or even, I mean, you could still have like a late breakfast at 10 and eat dinner at eight. Yeah. You know, like it's still a big window. Yeah, you're right. That's 10 hours. So what all that means is like there are six, you know, if you sleep for eight hours, that means that there are six hours in the day that you're not eating, which isn't unreasonable. Yeah, that's fine. But it has to be six continuous hours. It, like it has to be yeah. six hours after you woke up or the six before you went to bed. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so yeah, three you could split three three or whatever. Yeah. And so what they found was that the participants showed a reduction in total body weight, uh average loss of three point two kilograms. Wow, okay. Over that was over sixteen weeks. Yes. That's so over four months. So that's like seven pounds. But not not reducing the number of calories that they eat. Oh wow. So that's like just free weight loss. Yeah. You're just like living at a healthier weight, basically. Like you're not like really losing anything except for that fat yes and uh an average reduction in bmi of 1.15 kilograms per meter squared okay so in a more subjective self-assessment which i think is kind of interesting in this context like you know those are objective measures of what happened and what changed um here's some other things that the participants reported uh they looked at sleep satisfaction hunger at bedtime and energy level at different points in the day, in the mornings, and overall, over like the past few days. Mm -hmm. And they saw a statistically significant improvement from all participants. So people were sleeping better. And felt more energy. And felt more energy. And less bedtime hunger. This is crazy. So, um, I mean, it's just like win, win, win. Yeah. And all the participants, uh, they said, voluntarily expressed interest in continuing unsupervised after the study. Every participant. Every participant. So no one at the end of it was like, you know, that was hard to do. I don't want to do, keep doing that. Yeah. And apparently they did a follow-up as well. And so at, after 36 weeks, so this is one year 
since the intervention began. Right. The participants maintained weight loss and sleep improvement and felt more energetic still. Wow. I mean, that's probably because most of them were still doing this reduced window, right? Yeah. Presumably. That's great. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, like, I mean, that's not a very scientific measure to be like, well, it feels better, so I'm going to do it. Because, like, by that logic, you know, doing drugs is good for you. But, <laughs> but I mean, that's... I mean, but those are... They also improved their objective metrics of exactly. reducing the risk of obesity. Exactly. Like, ultimately, it's a good thing if it's making these people's lives better. Like, yeah. Like, I mean, you could say, like, oh, it's unnatural not to eat breakfast. It's like, okay, but why? Uh, the only reason I know that is because it's what I hear randomly in the news, that I should eat breakfast. Yeah. And Dude, three meals a day. Breakfast is a social construct. It is. I mean, what humans in the past do you think were waking up and immediately eating food? Like, living in a cave fearing for their lives, needing to like hunt for their food. Do you think they were like waking up and like opening up their, you know, rock fridge and pulling out <laughs> last night's meat and like cooking it up? No way. <laughs> well, I mean, of course it's a human construct because it's humans that are eating breakfast, you know? No, I I'm but, not, I mean, it's a social construct. Uh, social. Yeah. It's yeah. just a cultural thing that we've created. Like you don't need breakfast. Well, uh, so there is, there are studies that look at like, is it with intermittent fasting, is it better to eat breakfast and lunch or lunch and dinner? Mm, yeah. And truthfully, it's interesting because this comes up in every article that I've read so far. And it's like one of the hardest things about intermittent fasting is like eating is tied to, you know, social events and it's hard to overcome that. And for people who are getting into it, they're like, you know, sometimes you got to throw it off and like eat. Otherwise, people are going to think you're weird if you're skipping work events because you're an intermittent fast. Yeah. And also, like, dinner is when people socialize. You don't want to, yeah. Meals, you know, you don't want to skip breakfast every day if it's, like, your only time to, like, hang out with your kids during the week. Yeah, yeah. You know. That's true. You know what I want? What's that? So, I love breakfast. Like, it's definitely my favorite meal in terms of the food that you get to eat. Oh, yeah. But... I feel like we've created this like artificially long day that we have to live. I've also feel like here's another Paper Boys episode we need to do. I've seen all this stuff where there's all these studies that show humans are really supposed to have four hour sleep cycles. Uh -huh. You're supposed to sleep for four hours at a time and then go eight hours and then another four. What I want is I want to go to a day where I get to sleep for four hours and then I get to do stuff for eight hours and then go to sleep again. Like imagine that you wake up at like eight o'clock. You go to work until like three you go home and you sleep again and then you wake up at like seven, seven and you eat breakfast for dinner because you just slept. Oh, that's great. You get to eat two breakfasts per day. Oh, it's perfect. And then you play video games all through the night <laughs> and then you sleep until eight. What more could you ask for? Man, it would just be the best life and you'd probably be healthier for it. Science says. Yeah. Science says. But Big, big Egg wants us to go to work all day. <laughs> big Egg. Big Milk's over here pressuring me to just slave away. <laughs> Big Milk. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, so one of the one of the things that actually got me more interested in this too was uh, I read this book a while back called Atomic Habits that I really liked. I talked about it on previous episodes. But the author of that wrote an article about starting intermittent fasting. And uh, he had a lot of like really good points. He's like, it makes your day more efficient. If I end up eating breakfast, realistically, I lose 45 minutes because, I, you know, I'll yeah. actually like make eggs on like a bagel or like, you know, make like a breakfast burrito or something. And then I got all such healthy options for breakfast. Clean the dishes. <laughs> don't bring it up. <laughs> Sorry. And then I love bagels. 
you know, and it's like you got to do something while you're eating it. So it's like fun to read or like eat with someone else or whatever. And I find if I don't eat breakfast, you know, I'm up. I can literally be out the door in 15 minutes. Feel great. Yeah. So I have two thoughts on that. The first one is uh, a yes. That's kind of like that was honestly probably my biggest impetus for when I stopped sort of eating like a full sit down breakfast was like I found it harder and harder to wake up in the morning. And I was like, well, if I'm getting up at like 830 and I really would like to be in lab by like nine, then like I don't really have an option. I I just pour myself a coffee and go. Yeah. So it's good in that sense. It makes me makes it so I can sleep a little bit later. Yeah. The flip side is like, screw that. Like the morning's mine. Like who cares if you want to take an hour and a half, sit around like you're not a slave, you know? No. Like I I feel like that's another social thing of like, oh, you got to be productive. You can't waste any time. And ultimately like who cares, you know? But it could be like productive in anything. But the point is like if you're not eating, you can do whatever you want. I, like, but what if one you want thing? to eat? Like, what if you really enjoy that time in the morning when you're reading the paper and eating your oatmeal? And I mean, I do. I love yeah. breakfast. Yeah. So then, that's hard to give up. But I think you can still adapt. And like, you know, if you eat, I've truly found like if I eat a big, I haven't been doing this lately. But if I do eat a big breakfast and I eat lunch, I'm like not hungry at dinner. Yeah, but then you still feel like you need to eat dinner. No, I don't. Oh, see, I. You still feel that urge? What's weird is that I will, at some point in the night, I will still, I'll get hungry. And really? then I have to eat, yeah. Okay. But that's totally, you're totally right that that's just a psychological response. I think you could, within like a couple of days, I, I do think it's like your body adapts to it and it releases yeah. hormones to tell you you're hungry. So maybe what I'll do is I'll start doing like big breakfast, lunch at like four, and then and then nothing else. Try That'd it. be nice. I mean, if you ate, dude, I mean, if you ate breakfast at eight and then you snacked a little bit through the day and then ate a big lunch at four, I mean, that's only eight hours of eating window. Yeah. And truthfully, so I don't, I don't really know. I mean, I only know from like a few papers that I've been like perusing for this episode. It sounds like as long as you get like 12 plus hours of fasting in, you know, fasting, like just not eating. Yeah. That's what it takes to sort of get your your body to stabilize yeah. and to start. I think it's it's switching to like a fat burning cycle or something like that. I see. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. I'm not a nutritionist. Yeah. I'm just on here spewing what I read. Good. Well, it's better to hear it spewed from you than read whatever short think pieces from. So I'm curious. Yeah. We should have said this up front. What is like, what are the examples in the news, like mainstream sources where you see people attacking intermittent fasting? Uh, so a couple or like studies that like this one that we just talked about. So these were interesting. So one that was positive was New York Times that brought up this journal article. Okay. It was when we eat or don't eat may be critical for health. That was an interesting look. Harvard Health, this was against intermittent fasting, said not so fast. I hate it already. Pros and cons of the newest diet trend. Intermittent fasting promises better health and longer life. But does it work? Yeah. And it doesn't really seem like a... The word diet trend is kind of disparaging. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like it sort of carries... I know that it's just two words that put together like are not bad, but it carries kind of like a weight of making it sound illegitimate. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's classified... It's sort of derogatory to say diet trend. Sort of is. And like a lot of these diet trend quote unquotes are like... It's a product, actually, that's like Atkins was like a person who sold the Atkins diet, you know, 
And it's become synonymous with things that are false and flip flop, you know, every week. Yeah, exactly. Diet trend like, oh, it's just a fad. And oh, you're stupid for even getting on board with that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, obviously, we're biased. Like you and I, I say, obviously, you and I, I think we can disclaim this whole episode saying that we're definitely on the intermittent fasting train. But that was not out of some like preconceived notion. This was after having read all this stuff. Two weeks ago, I was like, this is stupid. And yeah. I was eating 14 eggs a week every morning. Yeah. You know, this is like after a year of like reading science every week and like learning kind of what science looks legit and what science doesn't and like how the news reacts to it and whether the news's reactions are correct. Yeah. I think you and I have pretty qualified opinion to say like intermittent fasting seems kind of legit. Not Not qualified in the nutritional sense, but qualified in the reading the bogus detectors, you know, of what's in the science and what's in the news. Yeah. And it, truthfully, it's like, it doesn't seem that crazy. It All it is is less changing when you eat. You're not like, you're not cutting out a thousand calories of your diet. You're eating as much as you need. Right. You're not, cha- and, you're not changing like the overall kind of macros of your diet. No. I mean, you should still eat, you know, well-balanced diet and right, all that. Right. Of course. I mean, that's like kind of my whole philosophy is like just everything in moderation, like who, you know, you don't need to all fat diet like that's not going to save your life you know and this seems in line with that and this everything totally in moderation in like don't just eat all day right restrict it down and then you'll i've like i enjoy my meals more i think yeah I, you're like i'm not starving right now i'm gonna eat lunch and i'm gonna enjoy it and i'm gonna go like go outside it's yeah. great just think of how much dogs love their meal and they eat like once a day i know, you know? well I mean, my dog ate three times a day. She was also a fat slob with arthritis. So, <laughs> But that same enjoyment. Bring that yes, same enjoyment exactly. to every meal. Exactly. So what did Harvard Health say? So they were against it and they were saying like, oh, you know, these are small cohorts, which is true. However, like they basically said that there was no scientific data that supported intermittent fasting. And that's not the case. I Go mean, on to PubMed. It's false. If you look up intermittent fasting, there are lots of articles in esteemed journals with positive results yeah this one i thought was funny it's from the canadian medical journal it's sort of like a editorial article and says intermittent fasting the next big weight loss fad which makes it sound like it's going to be really negative but uh they went through and then they're just like oh and the, you know there's all these benefits to intermittent fasting and results that like help with things like diabetes yeah and uh so I think the title was just totally off. Yeah. And honestly, I would rather see stuff related to intermittent fasting and not like weight loss, but like health outcomes, basically. Like I would love to see like, yeah. you know, some sort of really big longitudinal study on like a 50,000 people data set where they look at their eating habits and then they see like how many people died and that kind of stuff. You know, like what we did yeah. with the egg study. Yeah. Like that's more convincing to me because like weight loss, again, I mean, I'm fortunate that that's something I don't really care about. Because I'm already at a healthy weight. Yeah. Know? So I don't want to intermittent fast if it's just a weight loss thing. I don't want, yeah, like if you don't want to lose weight, I still think intermittent fasting is a good healthy option. Right. But what I would like to see is like really solid proof that that is the case. Yes. That like, oh, it reduces heart disease and it reduces all these, you know, better Alzheimer's like indicators and whatever. I see. Yeah. Because really what we have now is that it lowers your indicators for those diseases. Yeah. But and it's the and the stuff that always seems to get bring, brought up sort of restricts it to this realm of it's a it's a weight loss technique. It's like, well, let's change the conversation because that's not the only reason why you might want to do this. No, I think there are you yeah, know. myriad reasons for right. why. I think maybe that's why it kind of gets stuck in the realm of it's a diet fad like Atkins or paleo or whatever. 
Yeah. When it's I, kind of a different class of, of thing, you know, it's more like it's more like saying you should sleep eight hours a night. It'll, it'll four, it might like, help your weight as a right as a, you know, side effect. Right. But that's not the reason to do it. Right. It's like brain health, body health and inflammation, all those things. Yeah. So, yeah, that's uh, all right. That was my well, shotgun intermittent fasting episode. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that um, we covered that. I mean, again, we're just taking shots at breakfast time after time on this podcast but you got me on board though but you never thought that would happen yeah i mean like i'm not going to take credit for this but yeah like this <laughs> well, podcast has the greater has the talked greater you out of breakfast yeah basically thank you science thank you science for ruining the only meal that i liked <laughs> <laughs> i still eat breakfast sometimes i know um well especially on a weekend i'm not i mean this is a weekday only kind of thing if it's saturday i'm getting up 9 30 i'm making myself a giant breakfast oh so i didn't even get to talk about it in this episode but they talk about like stabilizing your eating habits is important across the weekend no. otherwise you can, get, you can get metabolic jet lag wow i knew it was gonna be a term like that i thought you were gonna say dietary whiplash this is my this is my revenge for the eggs no don't ruin my weekend <laughs> but i'll end it on that how will i enjoy brunch ever again <laughs> brunch is intermittent fasting that's true if i eat brunch <laughs> at like noon charlie just sleep in and then eat your big breakfast man that's so true it's healthy in two ways so healthy all right well thank you james for covering that thank you for listening uh if people want to check out some of those articles and definitely this paper go to our website paperboyspodcast.com it's totally revamped if you haven't visited it in a while it looks sexy sleek and modern it's great yeah there's only you know about three bugs on every page but that's all right <laughs> more only like one it's only like only one yeah also please check out our patreon great way to support the show james and i have so much fun making the bonus episodes it's probably like the most fun part about this making this podcast now no offense to the regular episodes but you don't really know what you're missing not getting those bonus episodes so check that out patreon.com slash paperboys pod pie dollars it's all you need to spend to get pie dollars a month gets you the bonus episodes and that's about the price of like a cup of coffee so think One of it like coffee a week. You come to the coffee shop with me and James. You buy us a cup. Save yourself one bagel yeah. in the morning a week, and you can get great bonus content. That's dude. And that's such a good trade. Start skipping breakfast, healthier, and then just spend your breakfast money on paper boys, and you get smarter. It's perfect. Wow, we're gonna change the world with this. Oh yeah. Thanks so much for listening, everyone, and please join us again next week for another exciting edition of Paper Boys. Thanks for listening. 